Hi, this is Jimmy. You're probably intrigued by the title of our podcast today, You're a Bad Christian If. Today, we the guys, we discuss a lot of different things that are floating around in the Twitter sphere and our culture today. So many things are being said about COVID-19 and racism and the current cultural moment that we are looking at. And it can feel so much like if we don't adhere to somebody's certain viewpoint that we are bad Christians. And so that's what we discuss in the main portion of our podcast. We even dig back into the cultural moment of a couple years ago, the Me Too movement in our members podcast. And so this was a pretty lively conversation that the three of us had. We hope that it's beneficial to you. Uh, We know that it's going to actually stir up some conversations. So please tune in. Thanks for listening. A simple way for you to help support Theocast and join the Reformation is by shopping at Amazon. That's right. Everything that you purchase there, they will take a percentage of it and donate it to our ministry. All you have to do is go to smile.amazon.com and then search for Theocast Inc. and choose us as the supporting donation. To learn more about this and other ways of supporting us, you can go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Your hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, and myself, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota. Gentlemen, it is so good to see your lovely faces again. JP, I believe you have our pro-con for today, so why don't you take it away? Happy to take it away, Jimmy. Good to see you too, my man. It is the season of vacation, at least for many people, as we are now in the summer months. My pro-con has everything to do with that today. My pro is vacations. I'm all for them. I think it's good to have diversion from the task, to get away to be able to unplug as much as that is possible to spend time with with family, with friends, with loved ones, all good. I know that the three of us try to take vacations as we are able, some of those with our families, some of those even just getaways with our wives, and, and those things are great. So the, the con is related to vacations as well, and I am con like the week or two leading into vacation mm, and the yes. week or two coming off of vacation. Because it feels like no matter how hard I try, at least I'll I'll speak personally, no matter how hard I try to get out in front of things and get upstream and be ready to leave town and and not have the last week be chaotic and anxiety producing, it just is. It's terrible. And I feel like it's it's a scramble to just be able to leave town. And then when you get back, it's inevitable that you're just buried by an avalanche of things to do. And I know for a person like me, who can be very task driven and prone to anxiety anyway. It's like, man, I don't know if this is even worth it trying to get away right. for a week or two. I mean, I say <laughs> that and at the same time, I'm excited to be able yeah. to try to get away. So there that is. Well, I mean, and, and just the way that we're all socially connected now, it is, it, it is, it is truly difficult to actually unplug and get away. And it, so very hard. We always like to say nobody needs a vacation more than the man who just had one. <laughs> I mean, which is true. My recommendation is take a two week vacation in the last three days. Yeah, that's right. The last three days, don't don't be on your vacation. Be at home to unwind. 
yeah, to get ready to get off vacation. Yeah. <laughs> to that does back help. In. That yeah. does help. Well, and and certainly over when the possible. summer when things are a little bit more open and loose, it's it's fine. But I I do know, man, being a school teacher and you take a trip and you're coming back on a Saturday, church on mm. Sunday, school on Not Monday, good. it is it is rough. But I mean, got to sing the Conway West man closed on Sunday. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You're so culturally relevant, John. Eh, you're my Chick-fil-A. Um, you are, John. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to say this. I, I'm not taking a vacation this summer, because, and I'm shocked that you guys are. I mean, it's very inconsiderate. Wow. Mm. Wow. John, get this, off that uh, high horse. It's too tall for you. <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. This podcast, this podcast could be titled... John is a good Christian. Everybody else is not. <laughs> That's right. Actually, the title of the podcast today is You're a Bad Christian If. Oh. Yeah, you're a Bad Christian If. That's right. So we, tell uh, me more. Dot, dot, dot. Tell dot, me more, dot, John. Dot. Yeah. Well, uh, there is, uh, there's a movement, and it's, uh, it's not new because of particular um, uh, issues that are going on today, but I think they're heightened. And there's, there's a concentration of possibilities that traps uh, there are traps that Christians can step in, and it seems like I have stepped in every single one of them, and, and I am a bad Christian today because I have stepped in all of these traps that are set by me, set by the culture for me. And what what's really going on here in the conversation we're going to have is a comparative righteousness. Uh, I believe this is how something should be done, and you're a bad Christian if you don't hold this perspective that I'm that I'm having. And not only am I going to tell you that you're a bad Christian if you don't hold my perspective, but there's also uh, works of righteousness that you must perform in order to make yourself acceptable or dig yourself out of the hole that you find yourself in. And I, I find myself, if I have to live up to the standard that's being presented to me um, on new, in the news and on, that's being presented to me by other Christians, that I will never be considered a good or right Christian. I will be a bad Christian because I can never live up to everyone's expectation. Uh, be, uh, and, and it's on both sides. And it doesn't, and here's what's sad is that we can't seem to agree on what is the right answer. And this is a, a, not one particular topic in our culture. It feels like there's, um, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's, a, there's a list when it comes to COVID-19, abortion, political parties, racism. Every single time I turn around, I'm failing somebody to live up to whatever um, standard I need to live up to. And if you don't have the foundation of the gospel that's propping you up, you can live in massive depression thinking, I am such a horrible Christian because I cannot live up to these standards. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what we're going to talk about today is the gospel and what and you're a bad Christian if as it relates to the current cultural wars and cultural topics that we're dealing with today. So yeah. gentlemen, what is your thoughts on this? You're a bad Christian if. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... John, one of the things that I've noticed, I've worked in various churches, went to Christian college, uh, attended a large, a large evangelical, uh, Calvinical church in college. W one of the things that I've noticed is that there's a consistent theme within Christianity in that very few times do we actually argue about the substance of the gospel, what it is and what it is not. More so what we seem to spend so much time focusing on is the implications of the gospel. No doubt. And 
in fact, the implications of the gospel then in turn become the gospel itself. Mm. And so here, here's an example of that in just in light of where we've been the past few months is the way that your church or the way that your pastor handles the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, is it, it sheds light on what they think about the gospel. So if they if they require their church to to wear masks, if they don't require their church to to wear masks, if they if they serve communion digitally, if they don't serve communion, I mean, it's all of these things that we kind of set the standard. It's all these if-then statements. So if we if we believe this about Christ, then we will necessarily behave this way. That's right. And it's we give so much attention to the then. Then we will do this. We will act like this. We will say this. We will think like this. We'll read these books. We'll listen to these podcasts. We'll watch these documentaries. And the implications of the gospel become like the the massive standard setter of the faithfulness of the Christian. And you're basically talking we about say, a new law. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, a new it's, law. It's absolutely a new law. We say it all the time, but it bears repeating that the implications of the gospel are never the gospel. That's right. And your your observations are entirely right, Jimmy, that we're not dividing over or debating one another with respect to the nature of the gospel itself. We're dividing over and we're debating one another with respect to our behavior, with respect to our stances on wisdom issues. And and we're even debating one another and casting shade on one another based upon how vocal we are or are not yeah. and and how how active we are in the public sphere in all these various areas john you you mentioned that several of them uh, we could abortion uh, you know racism political parties covid-19 all of these things and and what we want to do is stand on the clear truth of scripture I mean, some of these things, like we we said this in a podcast recently, that racism is from hell and it's wicked and it's sin. Abortion. I mean, so murder is sin. I mean, it, the Bible is very clear about these things. But then when it comes to our role in the public square and, and when it comes to even public policy and things like that, Christians, well-meaning Christians who confess the same gospel can disagree on some of those, those things and could make different judgments when it comes to what's wise and what's prudent. And I think a, a distinction for me, I know we, we talk about this a lot in, in my own church context. I know you brothers agree. A distinction that's really important for us to remember when it comes to not only life in the public square, but when it comes to all of these, these various things, wisdom calls and, and how active, how vocal will we be? What should we be doing as believers? Church members, individual Christians, can and should be active in all kinds of things in the world. Mm. Like whether that's the political processes, whether that is being active in causes to end injustice, individual Christians can be involved in all of those things with people of goodwill. But then the church as an institution is a very different conversation. Mm. When it comes to the mission of the church broadly, we need to be careful in terms of how we define it. And I'll go ahead and do this, and, and, and I'm willing to take darts if, if people were to throw them in my direction. The, the mission of the church, biblically defined, is the proclamation of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments for the salvation of God's elect. And, and that's what we concern ourselves with doing as pastors and as the church as an institution. Uh, 
And so, yeah, encourage your people, encourage our people to be involved in anything that they see fit. And, and like, hey, man, I'm passionate about this. Great, go for it. We'll fan that flame. But you're doing that as a citizen you know, and as a member of the society. And that's, that's a good thing for you to do. But the church as an institution is a different thing. Yeah, if I were to rephrase kind of what we titled it, you're a bad Christian if, to what Justin is saying, it is this, God accepts me if. God accepts me if, and then right. you fill in the blank. If the answer to that, you know, if I were to say, Jimmy, and I want you to answer this correctly, God accepts you, why does God accept you? If what? Well, only because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's right. There's That's only it. one answer. Right. Always. Always one answer to that. But what we're being told today, God accepts me if I hold this perspective and I promote this view of abortion. If I oppose it in this way, uh, God accepts me if I hold this perspective of racism, if I hold this perspective of COVID-19 and the, you are being told. If I vote this way in the upcoming election or whatever. That's right. If I'm democratic or libertarian or whatever. Uh, So the, your acceptance before God and really what we're dealing with is assurance. Your assurance before God is now tagged to a cultural issue that you, you must have on this position. Uh, let me go. I'm going to just take us here real quick, guys, just so I want to make a connection as we continue down this conversation. Paul is writing to the, uh, the church in Colossae in, second, in second, or Colossians chapter 2. And in the beginning of the chapter, he says to them that he wants to write to reach all the rich of the, the riches of the fullness of understanding of the knowledge and the mystery of Jesus Christ. So everything he's about to write following is so that their assurance would be full of the richest understanding of God's knowledge. And the next thing that he says, he says, therefore, um, I'm sorry, uh, let me back up. He, oh, sorry. Yeah, he says, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive. When he means by here this captive, you can translate it, be stolen away or have someone rob you. Don't let one take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition or according to the elemental spirits of the world. And he says, and not according to Christ. What should not be stealing you away is anything other but Christ. And what we're dealing with here in this context is the church uh, individual Christians, true, but even now we're being told there's a prominent Christian, I sent you guys the clip recently, that says if we aren't actively as a church going after abortion, and and he says in the clip, and that doesn't mean preaching the gospel. It means more than preaching the gospel. So you can, the church is failing. You as a Christian are failing if you aren't actively involved in suppressing abortion. That is, again, that is a God accepts me if statement other yeah. than in Christ alone. Yeah. Well, I would, I would maybe even in a nuanced way say that most, most guys or gals that are, are saying things like this w- wouldn't use the word accept, but um, perhaps they would use the word expect. God expects this from you. Yeah, that's good. God God expects that you go after abortion in this way. To which my question always is, well, it's easy for a preacher on a screen or a tweet to to say God wants us to actively go after XYZ. To then I just want to scream in the comment section, well, how how much? How do I know that I've reached 
the right amount? Mm-hmm. How do I know that I've gone after your your issue enough? Uh, yeah. Do I do I need to go march in protests? Do I need to read a book? Do I need to listen to this podcast? Do I need to befriend this kind of person? Do I need to be active in my city council uh, for closing down this clinic? Like, what's enough? How do I know that I've reached exactly. the enoughness of your issue? And when we think of it, well, that's when that's when guys immediately begin to kind of walk back, and they say, "Well, you have to be willing, or you have to have you know you've got to have it in your heart, or." And it's like, well, which is it? Do right. do I do I have to be willing, or do I actually have to do something? You know, th- that's that's the pre- I think that's the problem. I think JP, you mentioned this word of uh, neonomism, right? Adding new laws to the Christian faith right. is that right. these these laws are never enough, or we can never define them succinctly enough. And so. Again, it, it's the it's the idea of making the implications of the gospel the gospel itself. That most of these guys that I know who are saying things like this would never tie these things to your justification. But really, what often happens is we open the back door into justification by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And then we let in all sorts of nonsense of these if-then conditional statements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say to to even narrow down what you're saying, Jimmy, is that we're dealing with the doctrine of sin here. Guys, where does racism, abortion, um, where does all this come from? Is it is it is it a circumstantial issue where if we fix the circumstance, we fix the problem, or is it a heart issue to where these right. come from the evilness of our heart? So if I if we were to sure. able to shut down every abortion clinic that was out there, and if we were to stop all cultural racism across the planet, like where it doesn't exist anymore, would we have really fixed the problem? Because the problem is not in the action. What does Christ say the problem is? Yeah, it's from the hearts of man. It's okay. in the heart come of all man. these evil things. So if you tell yeah. me that preaching the gospel isn't the solution, I'm telling you, you'll you you you're going to suppress one issue of the heart where another one will pop up. Right. Sexual, I mean, sexual deviancy when it comes down to, you know, sex trafficking. I mean, the heart is so desperately right. wicked and evil that if you assume that you can deal with the suppression of sin and that it will solve the problem of the world, but you do it separate from the gospel and the advancement of the gospel, then you actually are losing, you're, you're, you're going to be fighting a losing battle, a losing war. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith Versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. I think, to Jimmy's observation a second ago, in spite of what everybody would say 
you know, it, like Jimmy, you said it, if you really press people when they're, they're heaping all of these requirements on folks, they would be very clear. Well, no, I'm not saying that, that you need to be doing these things in order to be justified in the eyes of God. I, I think it's right for us to press back and say, yeah, but everything that you're saying and your posture and your tone in saying it makes it very clear that all of this is a justification project. We are, we are putting standards out there that, that must be met. And if you don't meet them, then there is penance that is required in order for us to then be in right standing in the eyes of one another. And by implication, you know, for us to even be in, in, in good favor with the Lord. Uh, And that's, that's the real, the heart of the problem here is that these standards are being heaped upon people. Nobody, as is always the case when, when we heap standards upon people that the scripture doesn't, nobody can ever define it and answer you how much is enough. I mean, Jimmy, you articulated that really well. And then we have to backpedal and say, well, okay, maybe it's just a heart posture where you're willing to be, you know, active in this way, or you're, you're willing to be vocal in, in this way and, and all the, all the rest. And it's, it is a self-justification project in an attempt to be enough in the eyes of one another, and we think even before God. And I think the sadness in all of this is that what this ends up producing in the church, I mean, because we're, we're speaking, you know, this is a Christian podcast, I mean, we're speaking to people, we, we assume, who are at least interested in the things of God and are maybe even members of churches. What this produces in the church is this kind of hierarchical structure where there are some of That's us right. who are better than other people. And and I think to your point John, the answer and the remedy to all of this is just to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified for wretched sinners such as us. And and the thing is is that we all need to be reminded that basically we we're all far worse off than we could ever imagine. It matters not what your stance is on a particular issue or how vocal or how active you are in ending this or ending that. Like we are all in desperate need of a righteousness that we don't have. We are all in desperate need of atonement that we can never accomplish. And what a wonderful message it is in the current cultural moment to look at people based upon the the revelation of God and say, absolution and forgiveness and righteousness are yours by faith in Christ Jesus, apart from anything that you could ever do. Mm -hmm. Because in our culture right now, atonement is being demanded everywhere over every issue. But forgiveness and absolution are nowhere to be found. And what we do every single Sunday is we get up there and we offer all of those freely in Christ Jesus. And and that's, at least as three pastors sitting around these microphones, I'm convinced that my people need to hear that on Sunday when they show up. They've been bombarded enough all week long with how they're failing everywhere and they're not doing enough. It's like they need Christ on the Lord's day. Yeah. And every day, I, and I'll, I'll stop with that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but but when we gather, we yeah. we need we need Christ. Yeah, you amen. Know. Yeah, I I would uh, just ask you. It's a it's a big statement, and I don't. I want to make sure people I didn't miss what you said there, Justin. When you're saying the culture is requiring atonement for everything, what do you mean by that? Give me an example well, of I, what you're talking about. Sure, I, I mean so. There are all kinds of things that the culture is telling us that we need to repent of because we're wrong and we're guilty, and we need to make atonement, meaning we need to make it right. We need to make reparations for things, and we need to 
undo wrongs committed. And and then the the message is if you do enough, if you if you make enough atonement, if you do enough penance, then you will find forgiveness and you will find absolution. You'll be absolved of your guilt. But then you you do what you think you're supposed to do or you say what you think you're supposed to say and the goalpost keeps moving. Right. And you can't ever do enough so that there is no real forgiveness or absolution or righteousness to be found. Yeah. And that that I think is just a great illustration of our human predicament. And <laughs> and hence the gospel, right? Yeah. Hence the gospel. You can't ever do it. And and so therefore you need righteousness and and forgiveness and absolution that's provided for you by another. Yeah, yeah we even do this in our marriages to each other. Oh man. Right? For real. You did this oh to me. Oh gosh, absolutely. And I'm going to hold this against you until you can fix it, it's basically. A, yeah. That's a, bro, that's a straight up law economy, right? That's right. Well, so something that I, I teach world religions at the school where I work, and, and the very first day of class, what I tell them is we are, we are extreme. Everybody is extremely religious. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is Romans chapters one, two, and three. That everybody at some it's Act point, seventeen. That's right. Everybody becomes a law to themselves, and what you're saying, Justin, about the goalposts continuing to move, that what we do is we demand, like you said, we demand people's blood. Right, David Zoll, when we were at the fifteen seventeen conference, he had a wonderful quote in his talk where he basically said the world is obsessed with religion just not the confession forgiveness and absolution kind that's right word you know that, i mean that is that is where we are uh i mean even in light of the pandemic and racism and you know now we have the supreme court issuing different decrees about abortion and things like that i mean we we are taking this posture we are taking this posture of if we don't believe this, then or if we don't do this, then we must not must not believe. When we are just heaping law on people, and we are heaping these conditional statements on people, that so much so that it's like American Christianity is hell bent on destroying people's assurance in Christ. Sure. Mm. Well, let me ask you guys Gosh, this question, yeah. and this is a dangerous question, but which which sin will 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 uh, i gotta word this which one will damn you more the sin of self-righteousness or the sin of racism racism and the answer to that is yes yeah right yes right it is just as wrong to be self-righteous in the eyes of god as it is to be racist and i will tell you this if you are a christian if you believe in jesus christ and you trust in him alone as your righteousness you are a bad christian there are no such thing as good Christians. God says, well done yeah. at the end. This is Hebrews eleven two. He says that he commends the Old Testament saints at the end of their life. He commends them not for their faithfulness. He says he commends them for their faith. And that list yep. of Old Testament, uh, they were they were a debaucherous lot. Right. It, but and the point the point of it is is that when we start comparing what we love, we we as believers do two things. We love to compare our sin, making sure that my sin isn't as bad, my pile isn't as bad as your pile. And we love to compare our our righteousness, making sure that my righteousness is 
more than your righteousness. And the, that's all horizontal. What the gospel demands of you and forces you to do is to look vertical because the law points you to Christ. And as you look at that, you should be crushed. There, right. there, no one, not no, not anyone, you should consider yourself always to be a bad Christian because what it'll do is it'll never allow you the justification of comparing yourself and being critical of another Christian. It won't allow you to do it. And that doesn't yeah. mean we don't judge each other because on obviously we have to be, for the sake of love and concern, there's church discipline. So I'm not up here saying sure. judge not lest you be judged. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But when it comes down to comparative righteousness or when it comes down to uh, what I'm going to project you must do and say in order to be accepted by God, uh, if it is not in Scripture, and as Paul says, if they are pointing you to the traditions or philosophy of men, you are not to allow that to captivate you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to note, as of late, where we stand in 2020, because of social media, because of the ways that we are all interconnected, I mean, there can't be an article released without everybody having their own say about mm. about it and, and what we should really think about it. Yeah. Um, we are just kind of slaves to the urgent mm. and we are kind of slaves to the, to the most recent trend and fad. And if your church and if your preaching and if your Christianity is constantly tied to the most recent headline, you are going to be exhausted by the end yeah. of the week. <laughs> so true. Because there's always going to be something else. That's right. There is always going to be the next fad, the next thing that we should collectively hate, and the next thing that we should collectively fight against. To eventually, it becomes, the list is so long that we, frust we frustrate mm -hmm. people out of the church. We exhaust them out of the church because they're never doing enough. Now, People are going to hear me and all sorts of alarm bells are going to go off in their brain because they're going to say, well, Jimmy, does that mean that we never talk about issues? That's not at all what it means. But we yeah. have to keep the primacy of the gospel, the primacy of what Justin talked about, the mission of the church, that we are here on Sunday mornings, on the Lord's Day, we are gathered to herald Christ to weary sinners and sufferers, right? And to take the long view of the Christian life that as different things come about in our culture, I think we do so in a tone of gentleness and quietness yep. that we, we focus on our people, right? We focus on the things that are happening in our context, in our church, that we don't always have to have a say into what's happening in the broader culture, but, but rather we focus on what are the different sins and struggles and idols that are occurring in our church that we need to address rather than Let's constantly become a place where we are saying, if we're going to be faithful Christians, then we must act like this. You know, right. I, yeah. I think there has to be a place where we are a forgiveness outpost. That is our job as a church. Yep. When people come here, what do I want them to walk away with? Well, I want them to walk away with the truth that they're forgiven in Christ's name. Mm -hmm. That's what I want them right. to have. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be misunderstood either in the way that I define the mission of the church, uh, just picking up where you are there, Jimmy. We do talk about how we are to live and how we're to interact and, and how we're to even live broadly in society. And we we talk about that underneath the banner of loving our neighbor. I mean, it, right. it's we we come to and we gather, we behold Jesus Christ, we receive him in the word, we receive him in the table, we sing and of him and we pray to the Father in his name. And 
we have our faith confirmed and sustained and all those things. And then we scatter to love one another because Christ gave himself up for us and we scatter to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we absolutely are concerned with the good of our fellow man. So don't hear us say that we're not concerned for that stuff. But Jimmy, you are exactly right about, you You kind of mentioned the the tendency in evangelicalism for there to always be the the next big thing that we need to be concerning ourselves with. We we talk about pietism, you know, this this hyper focus on the interior of my life and and how I need to be performing and stuff and the stuff I need to be doing. We talk about that at an individual level a lot. Well, I think that there is this kind of corporate reality of of a pietistic culture where there's always more to be done and there's always the next big thing that we need to be focusing on and it's that proverbial hamster wheel that the church broadly is always on. The church broadly is always chasing after, not just relevancy, but is chasing after a, a, it kind of its own self-justification righteousness project to demonstrate that that we're right and we get it and we're doing enough and we're active enough in transforming the culture. And, and I think a, an important thing for us to say in this regular portion of the podcast is as reformed guys, we hold what's historically been called a two-kingdom view of, of the world and the universe, where there is the redemptive kingdom, right? Our citizenship is in heaven, right? This, this redemptive kingdom that God is building through Christ. And then there is the common kingdom in which every human being lives and dwells, and, and we're active and we do all kinds of things within it. And it's great for us as citizens and members of the common kingdom to work for the good of our neighbor here, and at the same time, we understand that the work of redemption and the work of, dare I say it, transformation is not ours to do. Like we are not, as, as David Van Drunen says in his wonderful book, Living in God's Two Kingdoms, it is not as though we are all little atoms running around transforming the world and transforming the creation, returning it to its Edenic state. That is, that's not what we are called to do, and we're not capable of doing it. And there's great liberation in understanding that we are called to trust Christ and then love our neighbor as best as we are able by God's grace. And then we will trust God with the work of redemption and the work of restoration and the work of transforming the culture and the world you know, into what is coming, the, the new heaven and the new earth. Right. Everybody's, everybody's transformation project is good until sinners get involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if you'll notice that in the New Testament, multiple writers call the Christian to live peaceably with those around them. You never hear Absolutely. there to, to be a call to transform government, transform culture, to abolish culture, to to stamp out houses and, and alcohol and all this stuff that we've tried to do in the past. Um, it says to care for those within the church who are hurting. And then we are to demonstrate love to those who are around us. But uh, just to go back, that there's there's um, what what's in up what's happening here is at Theocast. We let me get my gather my thoughts here. I've like have like ten things I want to say, and we're running out of time, and I want to say on. them all. Come <laughs> on, save them for the members podcast. So we always mention the Christian life should be status forward, and what's happening in this particular circumstance. What what you can feel is we are working. We are working for acceptance instead of working from acceptance, meaning that I am accepted by Christ through faith alone. Therefore, I work. What I'm being told is I must do this work so that I can be accepted. 
And what happens is, is that the work is changing all of the time. It depends on who's, who's got the loudest voice at the moment. Um, I just want to read to you the, the latter part of Colossians here, because I, it, it, I think it summarizes what Justin and Jimmy were just saying. Uh, he, it says here, uh, um, let no one disqualify, this is verse 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions puffed up without reason about his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So he is saying what you're holding on to, what what has your attention is Christ. The head of the church is Christ. And as you hold on to this, this is what causes the body to grow through the power of God. Paul is not saying all of these other issues in life aren't of any value or if they're, they're of, we shouldn't be involved in them. This goes back to the two kingdom. Right. But the primary purpose of the Christian life is to hold desperately on to Christ. And the body of believers are to be pushing each other to do that. And as we do that, we do see our lives being transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, so that is when you go to church or the, the person who's involved in church, or I would even say a Christian, their primary purpose in life is to hold fast onto Jesus Christ. Hmm. Uh, that's like to say, just as a illustration, if you show up to a grocery store and they have all these advertisements in the grocery store to come over here and sit and watch the game or come over here and get a massage or come over here and shop for a new pair of shoes. It's like, what do you go to a grocery store for? It's called a grocery store because it's for groceries. And yet we have the church is supposed to be about Christ. And yet you hear all of this advertisement coming to you saying that you need to be involved in everything else except for Christ, which is opposite of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I prepare my sermons week in and week out, one of the things at the forefront of my brain is that my people for the past six days, Monday through Saturday, have spent six days having shackles put on their feet and wrists in terms of the law and their sin weighing down on them. So it is my job in a primary fashion when I open up the scriptures and herald Christ to them to remind them and point them to the grace and mercy that we see in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that what God has demanded of us in his law, right? If the standard of good is perfection, then we are toast. What God has demanded of us in his law, he provides freely by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, in the gospel. And a lot of people want to get in our face about that. Well, if you only preach the gospel, if you only preach Christ, your people are going to become kind of lulled to sleep. They're never going to understand the imperatives of the Christian life. Well, absolutely not. That's nonsense. That is complete and utter nonsense. Because as we march... As we march through the scriptures, do we reach imperatives? Yes. Do we preach those imperatives? Yes. But we do so under the cloud and the tent of God's grace being magnified in the gospel. And my job is to free people every week. Because what do freed people do best? They love and they serve. Freed people love and they serve. And bondage people, what do they do best? They hide and they, 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 don't, they don't love people because they're concerned about their justification. They're concerned about their sanctification. Yeah. They're always looking at their, their navel. They're always wondering, am I good enough? Am I doing it 
well enough? Am I executing the Christian life right enough? Well, the, no, yeah. you're not. And that's why on Sundays we, we proclaim you're forgiven on account of Christ. Right. And so if I can free mm-hmm. my people, if I can free my people, they will serve in love. I know it. I trust it because it's what yeah. God has promised. People who are chasing after their justification, their status all the time, are almost always only concerned with themselves. Hmm. Right. It's like, I am, I am concerned with me. I've got to do enough. I've got to demonstrate that I'm doing enough. And their, their gaze is, is firmly fixed upon themselves, not upon Christ and their neighbor. Hmm. And so you're exactly right. We are set free by Christ unto love and good works. And, and that's, that's the message that we're all heralding, lest anybody ever get confused. I mean, one thing that works me up, though, is, is in all of the, the churches across our land, you know, we're in the United States of America, and I've seen stuff on social media in recent days even, and certainly in recent weeks, where these are like clips of, of church services and uh, you know, gatherings of believers and all kinds of things are being talked about and celebrated and heralded. And you don't need Jesus Christ for a single one of them. That's right. No. And <laughs> it's like, how in the world, you know, have we gotten here where we're gathering as saints on the Lord's day even, and we're talking about things that we do not like absolutely need Jesus for? I would much rather concern myself as a pastor and as a Christian with the saints that gather at Covenant Baptist Church. Let's concern ourselves with the things that uniquely we must have Christ for. This is his church that's called by his name. And so let's make this about about him. And then, as you said, Jimmy, underneath the banner of Christ and the gospel, we talk a lot about loving neighbor you know, and how we can be good for not just our brothers and sisters in the church, but just good for our fellow man in general. And that's that's the way that God God works. And people will often, you know, uphold examples of Christians who have done great things in the world and in society. And I want to applaud those and uphold those as well. We have members of our church who are involved in politics and the judicial system and all kinds of things who are involved in medicine. All of these are common grace, common kingdom pursuits that are worthwhile. And yet when we gather on the Lord's day, we gather for Christ because, as you said, Jimmy, we've been bombarded by our sin and by the law all week, and even by the fallenness of the world. And we need a haven, you know, That's where right. we, with with all the other sin sick wretches, can can lay at the foot of the cross and confess our sin and repent and trust Christ anew. Amen. Well, and just to add to that, Justin, again, this comes back to a big word: your homartiology, your your understanding of the doctrine of sin. That's right. And Look out. Right. Well, if you understand that there is no fixing this, the human heart on this planet, your hope, what what we're being told is to put our hope in a utopia. If we can fix all of these issues, racism, COVID-19, abortion, political divides, then the world will be better. So uh, the pressure is on you to perform and fix this where we, how many thousands of years of history have we observed and no one has got it right yet? You would assume some some culture would have figured it out by now. I mean, come on, we're smart yeah. people. But the problem is that the problem is not in our actions. The problem lies within our heart. And so, what we are saying is that Christians offer something that is otherworldly, that is outside of the world and outside of their circumstances and outside of their capacities. Their hope is in Christ. So this is uh, going to lead us into our conversation in our members podcast, where 
this conversation, I think, needs to start happening. I've had so many conversations about race and so many conversations about COVID-19. And the same question I ask every single time is that we love to point out the problem. Here's the problem and it's your fault. And I always ask, then what's the solution? How do you fix it? We love pointing out mm -hmm. the problems and the solutions vary. But I think there's a there's a clear solution. We're going to dive into this a little bit more and be a little bit more pointed, probably, and open. I have felt you guys holding back a little bit. And uh, we had a conversation, as always, before our conversation. And uh, J Jimmy was... <laughs> well, I mean, I would just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bring us in. I, I mean, I don't want you to give it all away, John. But, <laughs> but anyway, well, thank you for uh, listening to this portion of the podcast. Uh, we're so grateful for your love and support. And we are going to head over into our members podcast now. And if you want more information about that, you can head to theocast.org. Becoming a member entitles you to all sorts of awesome things. Uh, you get different resources. You can, you can access past podcasts. Uh, plus, uh, you just get to hang out with us just a little bit more. And trust me, that is fun. And so we're going to head over into our members podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope that this conversation was helpful and beneficial to you. And so thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week.